Hey, everybody, welcome back to Letterman. What are you doing, Berm? <laughs> Playing Candy Crush. <laughs> we need to keep that because I am keeping the bar. I am keeping that. That's the start of the show. This is what we dealt with. We were at a bar in Nebraska having road beers. Uh, I'm Austin Ward. That's Jeremy Birmingham. Spencer Holbrook Chives is with us for episode seven. We're off to a great start because guess what? Berm, when we're having road beers, just sits there and plays Candy Crush by himself. Really great conversation piece. We had a bartender in Omaha, Nebraska. He's like telling us all this stuff. We're the first people there. Knock down the door. Berm's just sitting there by himself. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. I love to play Candy Crush. Like, you're a grown man. What are you doing? Number one, clearly you've never played Candy Crush because that doesn't go beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. That's all the sound. No, that's the sound of the the made-to-order machines at Sheets, number one. (laughs) Number two... Candy Crush is a super way to kill time. And number three, if you guys were more engaging in conversation whilst at the bar, I wouldn't need to play Candy Crush to absorb the time. Well, okay. I, believe, I believe Austin and I were in conversation with the bartender uh, talking about various beers to order off the menu while you were playing Candy Crush. And then when it came your time to order a flight, you were like, oh, I don't know what I want. Oh. I don't know. What what beers do you have here? I don't know. <laughs> Not only that, but I actually invited uh, a friend who likes to follow our work, uh, who lives in Omaha. He was showing us around. We were having conversation trying to get let you to get to know him and there you go i'm just was a vis major there in uh in omaha yes it was yeah yeah that was the day i was forced to walk then three miles in flip-flops uphill both ways uh in a driving snowstorm and there were snakes on the sidewalk okay okay (laughs) (laughs) who who recommended to you we always in in smaller areas we try to walk when possible to not run up crazy uber tabs because we've been known we had already done that uh, in other famous spots, like when we drove all across uh, the Metroplex in Dallas-Fort Worth for the TCU game. Uh, that was awful. When possible, we work off a little bit of the beer. We're not the most. Uh, we had a vow to try and work out at every road game this year, and that mainly just included walking the streets of Omaha. That was our only workout. So who told you to wear flip-flops? I didn't know it was a three-mile walk. It wasn't three miles. It was one mile. To Berm's credit, credit, there were hills, a lot of hills. And to Berm's credit, there was a snake on the sidewalk. The snake was dead. It was dead, but there was still a snake. I think that that should have been like a sign about what Omaha was all about when there was a dead snake on the sidewalk Hey, I mean, it wasn't, like we were, it wasn't like we were in the middle of the country. I mean, I guess technically we were almost exactly in the middle of the country. But it's not like we were in the middle of a rural area of Omaha. We were in the city, and there was a dead snake on the sidewalk. And here I am. At that point, I had removed the flip-flops because my feet were uh, flipping and flopping all over the place. And I, I, I didn't know we were going to have such a long walk. See, that's your job as the coordinator, as the bar, as the brewery coordinator, which I believe is your official title, as the brewery coordinator, you should be giving out some sort of plan ahead of time saying, boys, here's the deal. We're going to go to this place and we have a two-mile walk to this place where we will get a delicious, a delicious French dip sandwich. And then from there, we're going to go to another place. 
But the two-mile walk, if there's a two-mile walk ahead of us, I believe we should be informed post-haste. But I've never, at, at no point on any of our road beers tours, have I ever seen you be like, I'm just going to throw on flip-flops to go it to the bar. Was a normally your day is like, day. Was this after a nap? Really Jordans. I'm going to put on my, my Nikes. I'm going to impress all the, all the kids out there with my fancy shoe collection. Why in Omaha did you just, just mail it in with flip-flops? It was a beautiful day, and I had been traveling. We were on planes. I like to travel with flippy flops when I'm on planes because I don't like to do the whole shoe thing. So I like to have things that are as easily removed as possible. Uh, I, we were then back in the hotel. We were like, okay, we're out. And then I didn't think that I needed to prepare for uh, a biathlon. Austin, wasn't this post-nap, though? Wasn't this a, a famous oh, sure. false nap? Nope. That's incorrect. I did not nap that day in Omaha because I was working on a video when we got to the hotel, and then we left immediately thereafter. Dan right. tried to besmirch me. It was a beautiful day. That's what I recall. And I thought to myself, you know what? Let's get some suntan on those feet. Probably the Portland, last time it's ever going to happen. Portland, Oregon is not prepared for Berman flip-flops. I'm just going to say that. I'm yeah. going to be very clear. I love Portland, Oregon. As, as someone who is weird, I love Portland. Um, and I, I really hope we get to go there the end i saw a story or a tweet that was directed at me by somebody who i used to work with um that a particular club out in portland that i enjoyed uh has a drive-through uh you don't want to name the club ability right now it's a drive-through ability in in the the kit kat club delightful it was I, I, see I don't want to even talk about that because people then think that I'm like a guy who likes strip clubs I don't but the Kit Kat club was just super weird and cool well, so I, I, I think everyone understands you weren't talking about like the Kiwanis club Berm like I'm pretty sure everybody understood that you know if we bring up a club what's a Kiwanis club isn't that like one of those like like the Eagles and the, the, the Moose Lodge and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure when you say you went to a club on the road, we're not talking about like, you know, like yeah, a, Chives, he didn't want people to think that he was like a, a strip club groupie. Right. Cause I'm not, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not that I don't enjoy those clubs, but that place was so different. I think it was right next door to Voodoo Donuts. So it was like a wonderful combination of uh, sights and sounds. And yeah, yeah. from next door. I already, told you that, great. I already told you that the next time, which hopefully it's September when I return to Beervana for my next visit, that absolutely I will be going to Voodoo Donuts. But I mean, Kit Kat Club, that doesn't do it for me. I'm just going to. Uh, that's what made it so weird. That I, I am vehemently anti uh, dollar ballets. And yet, <laughs> this particular. Uh, version, this iteration of it was so unique and it was much more of a burlesque club as opposed to like a strip club, which I find disgusting. Uh, it was very entertaining. These girls were extremely talented. Like they were all singing and like weird stuff, like literally like, somebody doing over the rainbow by Judy Garland. Like it was crazy. It was really interesting. It was like a interesting place, not like a swanky disgusting were they were they doing the judy garland version or the 
Jason Mraz version. No, the Judy Garland version, dressed as Dorothy. Dorothy. And and and, and then with a, and then and then there was like a a quick change into a into a gas mask with like teddy bears being destroyed. It was very very visually. Uh, it was it was like what's what's that stuff when you're they say that you do uh, you know um, LSD. CrossFit. No, <laughs> no. When you do CrossFit, it's like the, the muscle confusion. You know, what's that stuff called? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do a Spencer, lot of CrossFit. Spencer knows what I'm talking about. Like the you're supposed to like confuse your muscles by constantly changing the exercise up. Uh, that's what the kickback club was. It was confusing your eyes because every minute it was something totally different, and it was it was very very cool. And then you walk outside, and then you go to the Voodoo Donuts, and Portland's you're also gonna right be- next to. You're also right next to all the food trucks in, in Portland. So it, it was like, it was a, I think that perhaps some of my affinity for the Kit Kat Club was based upon the outdoor area and you go outside and like I said, there's Voodoo Donuts and all these food trucks and it was just a cool experience as far as weird goes. If you like weird, Portland's the place for you. Yeah. Also lots of panhandlers trying to, you know, sell you cheap stickers and steal you steal money from you also very what's, what's weird is that i've never seen a panhandler handle a pan wow makes you really makes you think yeah they should be more like hat handlers because they're just holding out their hats or guitar case guitar case handlers oh, yeah lots of options man this has been angie bought me a, angie bought me a guitar for uh our uh um quarantine and i'm supposed to be learning how to play it it's not going well yeah, and my fingers—they hurt. Like I don't know how people do this thing, where they put them on those uh, strings and hold them down. Like that—that that, that stuff hurts. Yeah, Allie got me one for my birthday a couple of years ago because I'd always wanted to learn to play. But you just—I have more appreciation than I did before, and, I, and that was plenty for musicians and guitar players in particular. But when you learn to play and like your fingers are just bleeding and blistering and raw, maybe I wasn't doing it right. I don't know, but. Uh, it just didn't work. I can't figure out how yeah. anybody does it. There was about a, oh, go ahead, Berm. No, 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 it's not just, go ahead. There was about a six month span, my sophomore year of college, my RA owned a ukulele and he's like, here, take it. I don't play it that much. Just take it, learn how to play it. You'll end up learning it and then you can get to a guitar. And I learned a lot of stuff about the ukulele and I could play it pretty well. And then I gave it back to him and meant to buy one to like continue playing and I never bought one. And now I completely forget like everything I learned. Very interesting what though. I, what I found is that as somebody who types 4,000, 5,000 words a day, um, having seriously like declined use of my fingertips throughout the day is actually quite bad for me because it, <laughs> I like, those two things are kind of working against each other. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll try to practice on the guitar for an hour every other day and see if my fingertips will revert to their normal form. And they're not. And so I ordered these like little silicone finger protector things, but everything on Amazon's taken forever. Why am I paying that much for Amazon Prime when nothing gets here on time anymore? I don't know. All you're going to do is wind up playing Candy Crush anyway, so we don't have to pretend... You know, you should just put Can like an play Candy Crush on the guitar. I don't know. I, we'll find out. I really thought that I was going to 
actually bring up a football topic to start this episode of Road Beers before you just decided that we were too boring at the start of our podcast and you had to play games on your phone. So This podcast was Berm's idea. <laughs> He's playing right now. Look at him. He's already, no, no, no. already checked out. I'm in the middle of a, of a different conversation. So. Oh, cool. Don't, don't let us bother you while we film our podcast on video. There's uh, a reason why people follow me for information, right? So um, I have to respond to conversations and texts when I get them. Congratulations. Austin, I've earned a shriek buck. Austin, this is like on ESPN on, uh, on uh, free agent day when Shefty just gets a text and it's like, I'm breaking news right now. This is Berm right now. He's just, hold on. I've got to, I've got to respond to some texts. If there was actual breaking news, I think we would just stop filming this podcast that's off topic for Letterman Row and let him work. Like I, it's not, there's not any actual, I'm just, I, I have an, you know, there's some people when they text that if I don't text back ASAP, I put myself in a position of lessened, uh, in, you know, whatever, man. Moving on. True yeah. bucks. So far, this has definitely been our best podcast. I think without a doubt, this was a, a great idea you got me on board with. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So earlier this week, and this, I thought maybe we would throw, throw a bone to the people that uh, want Beanie back or they're, they're already sick of the off-topic podcast, which we've been very clear to label that there's not going to be a lot of Ohio State talk. But today I thought, you know what, I'm kind of a little worked up about the story this week uh, on The Athletic about Urban Meyer and if he underachieved with the Buckeyes. And I know that he's not the only person, uh, Matt Fortuna. I worked with him. I have a lot of respect for him. Back when I was at ESPN, I was asked, asked to do a lot of stories about what happened with the 2015 team and similar ideas about Urban because Ohio State is so polarizing that people either love or hate them, and that means that both of them are going to read about it. So I understand you know, that you have editors and uh, uh, people that want you to write these, these pieces and that people will read them and talk about them and debate them. But to me, just the notion that Urban Meyer could have done more is just crazy. I know that like national championships are hard to win. Let that be the thesis for me here. The fact that he won only one and that you're, you think that that's some sort of disgrace is hard for me to wrap my mind around, but it also, it just, it leaves out key details like 2015 if that ball doesn't bounce in the exact right way in the Michigan state, Michigan game where Ohio state is not even involved. Yes. They lost to the Spartans later and it was a puzzling game that none of us will ever forget, but they still would have had the tiebreaker over Michigan state. If not for that fluky play uh, with the muffed punt snap and the return for a touchdown, Ohio state still would have been in the playoff. And I pretty much guarantee that that team was going to storm through just like they did against Michigan and Notre Dame to end the year. Uh, 2017 is an issue with the selection committee. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Why? I mean, am I, am I way off base here, Burn? I don't know that you're off base. I think that people don't really understand, as you said, to start that, like how hard it is to win a national championship first and foremost. It looks easy or to people because of recency bias suggests that Bama's done it four times out of nine and you, you know, Clemson's done it two of the last four years, blah, blah, blah. But, it's not easy. I mean, people need to understand how many undefeated seasons have there been in Ohio State history? 
four, five. Like it's not so you're talking about the winningest program ever, really, and when you're talking modern era. And national championships have come 1969 or 68, 2002, 2014, 15. Like it's not easy to do. Talent has been there. Uh, coaching has been there. But like you look at 2015, that's a, a, a team that obviously is the most talented Ohio State roster I've ever seen top to bottom. Um, but it was also a team that was replacing – a huge piece of the puzzle when, with Tom Herman leaving. Um, but as you said, they should – if we're talking about what the committee's then done since, which is make sure the objectively four best teams are in the, the playoff, Ohio State should have been in there and would have won that national championship. That team was the best team in America. Um, you know, does one more championship in that stretch for Urban Meyer change people's minds? I don't, I don't know if it does or not. But certainly you could argue that – they could have won more championships, but who, who cares? They, they didn't. This, yeah. the, this is the kind of topic that kind of irritates me, and, and this is why. In 2012, Alabama won the national championship because Ohio State wasn't eligible for it. Uh, Ohio State would have played Notre Dame in that title game. Maybe Notre Dame beats them. I, I don't really know. I don't think no. they would have. No, no, but I'm just saying, if you play them on the field, I think Ohio State would have won. But Alabama was only there because Ohio State was ineligible for it. And then if you fast forward to 2015, uh, Ohio State doesn't get in. Alabama needs a fourth and 26 in double overtime by Arkansas, who beat Ole Miss, to even go to the SEC championship game. And that's how Alabama gets into the playoff is because a four-win Arkansas team upset Ole Miss on the last day of the regular season and put Alabama in the SEC championship game. If you fast forward to 2017 or 2018, Alabama gets in the playoff uh, without winning its division and then wins the national title. So three of Saban's titles, you could say, well, if Ohio State had the same luck as Alabama has had in those three scenarios, maybe Ohio State has more national championships. But to say that, you know, uh, you know, I think Saban and Meyer are unfairly, uh, and I, I always revert it back to Saban and Meyer, but I think they've been unfairly uh, pitted against each other just because, like, all of those lucky bounces that Alabama has gotten, a couple of them just haven't gone Ohio State's way. In the case of a Blake O'Neill fumble that, uh, you know, Jalen Watts-Jackson returns for a touchdown in the Michigan State-Michigan game. In the case of uh, just bad selection committee judgment with Ohio State not getting in in 2015. I mean, if those things happen, Ohio State may have two, three more national championships. Yeah, I don't know if it's luck or if it's the obvious SEC bias that exists. And let's call it spade a spade. It probably should exist. I mean, the SEC top to bottom has been the best conference in the country for the last 12 years. Um, but I think if you are objectively looking at it and say top of the line program, Ohio State has been just as good as anyone else. Um, but you know, how, how do you – anyone who says that Urban Meyer underachieved at Ohio State is critically stupid. Like, well, I, I get it. I, think I get you're, you're def I get if you're defining it only by national titles, but like every other metric is, is a undeniable smashing success. I think that's the problem that I had with it is uh, basically labeling the enti entire tenure as underachievement when Ohio State had to work extremely hard and Urban Meyer had to work extremely hard to elevate the talent to the level that it's at on the recruiting trail. As, as powerful as Ohio State has been forever, the situation that he walked into 
at the end of the Trestle era, there was, they were still NFL draft picks, but there was no way that you were talking about annually being a top five recruiting class. Urban Meyer instantly upgraded that. He took over a roster that was uh, certainly not designed to go 12-0 and 0, uh, when it moved Zach Bourne, our buddy, from fullback to middle linebacker in the middle of the year and a number of other things that he's trying to, you know, there were very good players on that team, but the depth uh, and high-end talent simply did not, you know, e- exist as the right. years went on in Ohio State and the machine got rolling. He had to upgrade all of that. And you're going to talk about things like, you know, real-life Wednesdays and, you know, pushing the rest of the Big Ten to become more aggressive recruiters and getting them to play night games or whatever else you want to include. He he helped usher all of that in for Ohio State. And to boil it down to underachievement based on, you know, the 2015 NFL draft class and them only having won one national championship and, and ignoring other details and everything that he left behind. Like, you know, we can talk about the Purdue loss. We can talk about Iowa. We can talk about uh, 2015 against Michigan State and the disappointing losses and how those things could have been different. Um, but uh, everybody loses games a lot more than nine over eight years. It's just, I don't, it, it's hard for me to, to view it. That's in that my way. thing. That's my thing. Like, 91 and nine, those five years, they only made the playoffs twice. And I don't think you can blame Urban Meyer for that. Like Nick, and again, to Spencer's point, I think Nick Saban, and the SEC had gotten uh, the benefit of the doubt in the, so many of those circumstances that Ohio State didn't get. And if they would have, just being in the Final Four, your odds of winning a national championship are 25%. So, you know, once you are taken out of it by people who are just subjectively deciding whether or not you're good enough, uh, to me, the crime is that they only made the playoff twice in that stretch. I mean, that's the, that's the problem for me. Anybody who had eyeballs, could watch the 2015 team and realize it was the most talented team in the country and not just in the country that year, but maybe one of the most talented teams we've seen top to bottom in the last 25 or 30 years. So I don't know if it was a anti big 10 slant and anti urban Meyer slant. Oh, we can't put in someone who didn't win their conference slant. Let's just wait till next year to do that thing um, or what. But like the fact that they made the playoff twice is ridiculous. And the year, the second year they made it, they, Probably shouldn't have. <laughs> well, I mean, it's because of these ever-changing uh, committee members, ever-changing objectives that they seem to have that are never the same. And I've written about this, gosh, seemingly every year that we've worked together about you get to Selection Sunday and Ohio State is always in the middle of some ridiculous argument. And when they didn't get in over Alabama and everyone wanted to point to the you know, how bad the loss was, uh, you know, the Iowa loss and, and how that didn't, you know, didn't impact, impact Alabama, who hadn't played anybody and was playing an FCS team. And the schedules were not even I'm like, well, you know, that you, you looked worse on one day and you're measuring their, that, that year that was the way they decided they were going to do it. That was their criteria. What was your worst day compared to your best, which is probably a much better indicator of your potential as a championship team that's just one year every year it's something different and that doesn't have anything to do with urban Meyer yeah you can control you can control it you can win every game you play but you know that's not really the the standard for college football it's hard to go undefeated as you just said teams don't do it so I think it speaks to just the volume of, of interest in Ohio State I mean every year that that decision that moving goalpost 
has come down to Ohio State and either put them in or keep them out. And, you know, you look at 2016, that team gets in because Penn State has two losses and Ohio State was not the Big Ten champion that year. 2017, you look at a team that lost to Iowa but had two losses and shouldn't, in my opinion, 2017 team didn't deserve to be in over Bama. And I know that may ruffle feathers, but Bama had one loss, Ohio State had two. Like, to me, that's – even though they didn't play a great schedule and played – I don't care. I Again, I use the same metric for 2015 as I do 2017. I could watch Bama in 2017, and I thought that was a better team than Ohio State. Burn. Come on. It's true. You're going to reward uh, that team for, the, for that I, I'm schedule? Not, I'm just going to reward it from my eyeballs, and I thought that that Bama team was better than that Ohio State team. And then you, had, you add the, the metric of the two losses, which so far is the one threshold the, the committee won't or, or hasn't passed, I think that that's a fair line to draw. I don't believe a two-team, a two-loss team should be in that conversation, period. Especially if there's another Power 5 program, especially one like Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia or whatever that has one loss, and it's a decent loss. Um, but when you combine the fact that the Buckeyes had two losses and one of them was by 31 points against a middle-of-the-road Iowa team, I can understand people being like, oh, my gosh, that's disgusting. 2018, 2018, the Buckeyes have the loss to Purdue, and that's it. That team should have been in the playoffs. That was that was a good team. I don't care that their defense sucked. That offense was historic, and should have been that team should have been in the playoffs. Like so, I, there's just all these little, you know, ways that you can move things around. That team was a one-loss team. It won their conference championship. It won the Big Ten, which is the second best conference in football. I don't think there was an argument to keep that team out. But, again, it doesn't matter. And I think, that again, the, the, the lightning rod that Ohio State is, is if, you, if, if it's about the Buckeyes, people are going to go crazy and talk about it. And every year that goalpost moves, and it's got Ohio State logos on the bumper. The crazy thing to me about this entire debate that everybody seems to miss is Ohio State, when it comes down to the playoff argument, isn't really – prone to get the benefit of the doubt. But for some reason, Oklahoma just continues to get the benefit of the doubt every single year. And then they just get their ass kicked in the playoff. And it's like, well, would What's you rather see? Yeah, What's it's that? like, like it, just, it just, every single year I see the, the playoff released on Selection Sunday, I'm like, well, that team's in the playoff. They're playing Oklahoma. That team's in the title game. They're playing Oklahoma. And then the other thing, real quick that I'll add is, like, we, if you want to, deba- to debate Urban Meyer's legacy as, like, I don't know, just broad legacy. That's fine. But like, stop trying to debate his coaching legacy. He lost nine games in eight years. Can we just like put that into perspective? If you want to debate everything else with what happened to Florida and all that stuff, I don't care. Go ahead. I'm going to stay out of that one. But like, as far as just pure coaching and developing talent, like just the, the numbers are all there except for the one national title at Ohio State. Every other number tells you it's one of the most successful eight-year runs in the history of the sport. I don't think there's any question about that. It's it's uh, people try so hard to, you know, pin down Urban's legacy at, when there's only a year removed from the end of a, his career and retirement, and him talking to you about some of that stuff um, last week on Bermanology. Berm, it's like I, you need to have some patience. Like, yeah, now we're you know, five years removed from that Michigan State game and look back at that season. But we already have a different perspective on 
what the college football playoff selection committee does yeah. and maybe how that might have impacted the thinking uh, for that team. Maybe it, maybe it wouldn't have just because of the, the fact that we're talking about Michigan State beating them head-to-head uh, on that particular day, and, and they view that as, you know, their play-in game. I, you know, it, that's fine. But it's not possible to put historical context really on his career or Joe Burrow and JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins when you're in the middle of it. Because yeah, historical context is historical for a reason because it's history and like we're not talking about modern history. It's not called modern historical context. Well, that's and and a lot of that like when you have the benefit of hindsight, that that completely changes your perspective on it. You don't have that in the moment. We you know we're gonna have time to get to that later. But this came up during the NFL draft with you know. Obviously, the Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins and JT Barrett thing, we n- never can get over that. People continue to talk about it and will forever. In the moment, there was no other choice to be made. Joe Burrow was, was clearly number three out of those guys uh, when they were all together on campus. Um, and Joe Burrow himself wouldn't even debate that point. Uh, I don't know why countless others want to do that for him. Now that's happening with Justin Fields as Jake Fromm slid down the draft chart you know, last week and, and how Kirby Smart must have made this absolutely terrible decision when it – at what point was Justin Fields ever going to pass from? Like, when when would Fromm have been benched? Like, yeah. just because we now know what Justin Fields has become doesn't mean that at the time Georgia made the wrong decision. It worked out for uh, Ohio State, obviously. It worked out for Justin Fields and Ryan Day. And if Georgia had it to do over, I'm sure they would love to have that potential and what Justin Fields did last year – and what he could do next year. But there's also no guarantee that Georgia, with uh, a changing offensive staff and not nearly as much skill position and innovation around him, that Justin Fields would have become what he has at Ohio State. Like, why is this even something that's worth debating? I don't understand it. I mean, it's not. It's not worth debating. The fact is, you look at a situation like Georgia, and Fromm took him to a national championship game as a freshman, wins the SEC as a, as a sophomore. I don't know where you really argue. I mean, sure, you could hindsight it and say you should have had more packages for Justin Fields, but is Justin Fields the type of player that was going to just be there to run a package or two? Like, he's he's obviously a, a very good player, but when you look back at 2018 and Joe Burrow with the broken hand that happened the year before and all the things that kind of led to him leaving, like Dwayne Haskins was a first-round pick in the NFL draft. He set every single Ohio State and Big Ten passing record in his one year playing football at Ohio State. So it's uh, sorry, like it was a pretty good choice. That's <laughs> I, I I think that there's this need to it's similar to what we talked about last week with the the Jordan and, and LeBron stuff. Like let's just understand that they're all really good, but not every situation can possibly work out perfectly. Like I get it for Ohio State fans, they would love to have Joe Burrow have been the guy to replace JT Barrett or Dwayne Haskins should have played a year earlier. How do you bench a guy that breaks every single conference record and owns every record in your school's history and is one of the best leaders in the, in the programs? It's also, also and it's also assuming burn that those guys were, were already first round draft picks at that time, which they were not, you know, when Dwayne Haskins is coming off the bench, uh, you know, and not a great in Illinois and fumbling and, and fumbling like, yeah, obviously that was hard. 
and not a great situation for a backup to go in, but it's not as if Washington Redskins quarterback Dwayne Haskins was competing with JT Barrett. At no point did any of us going into the 2017 season write, you know what, it's time, JT is done. There was no quarterback battle, starting quarterback battle. It was who was going to pull ahead to be the backup between Dwayne and Joe to be the future of the program. It was unquestioned, and it wasn't because Urban Meyer was loyal to JT. It was because at that point he was a senior quarterback who was on the brink of breaking Big Ten Ohio State records forever and was clearly the veteran leader of the team. That, yeah. like, You can't go back and say the same thing. Like, if you're going to have this debate about JT, Joe, Dwayne, or Jake Fromm, and Justin Fields, go back in time and how did people cover it? And I know that's not the perfect way, but if there's nobody ever anywhere suggesting that you needed to make a change or that there was a quarterback battle, how is somebody supposed to make a different choice? That does it, it didn't exist. And for what reason would they do it? Revisionist history is the worst thing you can possibly get in an argument about because it's impossible to know what could have happened. Hey, if I would have eaten cereal this morning instead of scrambled eggs, maybe my day would have been different. Like, okay, that's fine, but I'll never know. Like if if Kirby Smart says, hey, two-time SEC champion quarterback, sit the bench while this true freshman comes in. We have no clue what he's going to be like. He just takes the field. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Hey, JT, I know you led us to a, to a uh, you know, 12-1 and season or whatever, broke your ankle your freshman year, then set every record on fire in Ohio State history. But here's this sophomore who has never played a snap. He's going to start over you. It's like, why? why, why how would you even debate that? It, there was no debate to be had when those things happened. And it's like the thing where, like, oh, Joe Burrow was this overlooked, puny little high school kid who was the size of a church mouse and became this strong guy by, by battling against Ohio State and saying no to Urban Meyer, I'm transferring because you don't think I'm good enough. It's like that's not how it happened. It's like these quarterback battles, oh, JT was – Urban was too loyal to JT. Yeah, he was because JT had won every game for him. <laughs> so, like, I, I just it, – it drives me nuts. These yeah, but it really just depends games. on the cereal. I mean, because if it's like <laughs> pebbles, if it's like fruity pebbles or apple jacks or something like that, you can be pretty confident your day was gonna be better. No, no, not if you have those yeah, two because, cereals. Yeah, because fruity pebbles, if you burp like the entire day, your burps are like fruity pebble flavored. And yeah, that's, but how do you that's just, how do you even choke great. down those two cereals in the first place? That is absolutely wow, wow. terrible. Yes. If you're As not starting who, with Lucky Charms, which by by the very definition, it says on the box that your day is about to be a lot better. Lucky Charms, hello. As hello, Bernard. As, as someone who oh. lives with a Lucky Charms fanatic, uh, I can say that there are good days, which are the days that Lucky Charms are eating, eat and there Charm. are bad days, and there are bad days. I'm a, I'm a CT Crunch kind of fan. Um, I love my Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But uh, I try and stay away from it. I had no idea what he was talking about. I know. I was going, I was going, Captain Tennille. I'm like, what was he talking about? Uh, Crunch Crunch is great. Uh, If you're going to eat Lucky Charms, which you shouldn't, then you should just eat the chocolate version of Lucky Charms, which is, of course, Count Chocula, the greatest cereal of all time. Mute him. Austin, you are the host of this meeting. Mute this man. Count Chocula is terrific. Firm, go back to playing Candy Crush. How. How are you coming with Fruity Pebbles and Apple Jacks as your cereal? I don't – Fruity Pebbles are terrific. Terrific? Terrific. It's a How? terrific cereal. What part of them are good? Um, the fruit. 
and the pebbles are both <laughs> tremendous. Wow, I, I did not. You know what else is good? Corn pops. I like corn pops quite a bit. Um, I'm a big fan of those. You know, most of the time though, I'm really just preferring your basic Cap and Crunch, which is always good. The original Cap and not one of those other ones. And don't call them Captain. There's no T. Cap in Crunch. <laughs> um, CT Crunch is good. I mean, I've never heard it referred to in that manner, but I, I do enjoy it. Um, there's a new variety of that out there, isn't there, Spencer? What's the new one? French Are Toast Crunch? PT, oh. PT F Cruiser. F FT Crunch? Yeah, no. So CT Crunch is from This Is The End, the movie with Seth Rogen and that gang that makes all the movies. When they get stuck in the house, when the apocalypse happens, they call it CT Crunch. And it's just kind of stuck. I've called it that ever since. So, oh, wow. Yes. Here I was thinking that you would come up with something relatively clever. No, worth no. Remembering. No. no. <laughs> I could never come up with something as cool as calling it CT Crunch. I mean, not with that attitude, you can't. You got to believe in yourself. So are we only going on the sugar cereals? Or are we talking like... Frosted no, mini you can wheats, talk about whatever kind of cereal you want. Frosted mini wheats, frosted mini wheats, uh, just honey nut Cheerios. Honey nut Cheerios, uh, one of my to, favorite cereals ever. They used to make these protein Cheerios with the granola in it. Those were really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big Cheerios fan. I like all the variants of them. So big O's. Yeah, Austin. Austin had a power outage in his house um, for some reason, which is apparently why he's now frozen in time. And uh, so he'll be back, I guess, in a minute. But Spencer, when you're talking about a cereal, like, is it, is there a hierarchy of what makes the cereal great? Is it the crunch? Is it the flavor? Is it the milk afterwards? Is it how quickly it gets soggy? Is it how, it I mean, how much of it you can fit on the spoon? I think it all depends because like frosted flakes soak that milk in very easily and become soggy very easily. And that's then it becomes why, a bad cereal. Yeah, that's why I put only about half the amount of milk into the Frosted Flakes because you want that crunch with them. Right. So then when you yeah. mix them all, you mix all the cereal into the milk, you're getting a good crunch, but you're also getting the good milk. Whereas like Lucky Charms, I'm not really concerned about the SOG level. Or like there are a couple other cereals where like if they get a little, a little soggy, I'm not that concerned about it. Whereas like, a frosted flake or a honey nut Cheerios or a frosted mini wheats. Mini wheats are okay. Mini wheats are better. Yeah, they're they're the the more the saturated the, the more the more saturated they are, the better when it comes to frosted mini wheats. But when you're talking about some cereals, like you said, frosted flakes, if it sits in the milk for too long, it becomes a major problem. That is the one real knock on fruity pebbles is that you have to eat it extremely fast in order to make sure that the crunch is still there because once it turns into sog. It's a, it's disgusting. All right, I'm gonna it's, hijack this entire thing, and I'm just gonna ask, what's the best cereal milk? Like after the cereal is done, you're drinking the milk. What, what are you just dying to eat just so you can drink the milk? Austin is back, everyone. Just so how you know. long, how long have you guys been talking about cereal? I'm still quite a while. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Monday now. Welcome back. Oh my God, that was a. This is our podcast luck today has just been phenomenal whether it's power outages in my house firm playing candy crush chives having a cat um it's, i don't know where that came from <laughs> it's just still just bad luck all around i think it's cocoa puffs by the way is my milk choice i i just don't really 
I'm not that excited about drinking the milk. Like it wouldn't get me to have a bowl of cereal just so I could be like, you know what, this is going to be delicious. Like if I wanted to spice up my milk, I would just get some strawberry quick. That's have you not heard town. that milk does your body good? What? Yeah. Is there sure. research on but that? It, yeah, but if you want strawberry quick, why not just get Frankenberry, the cereal, and then have the best of both worlds. You have the, the Franken, the berry, and then the strawberry milk. I don't think I've ever had a bowl of Frankenberry. Is that like huh. flavor Lucky Charms? Is that something for me or what? What is it? It's, it's, it's the strawberry version of uh, Count Chocula. It's mm. Frankenberry. They also have a blueberry, which, as you can imagine, is uh, blue and huh. berry. Interesting. Yeah. Some good stuff, though. Clearly, Chives has a cereal that he wants to drink the milk from. So what is it? What is it? Is it CTE? Uh, <laughs> CT <drugs. laughs> totally different that's, that's a different a, thing that's a different different thing. different um, show i do appreciate the ct crunch milk uh but i like the frosted flake milk is good um the honey nut cheerio milk is good i'm i don't like i can't do the frosted flake milk because the odds are that you do have soggy flakes still left in the milk but that's like taking a pill they just go milk. down with the milk i need a, a i need a cereal that you can eat all of the cereal out of the milk before drinking the milk. I don't want hey. a, a, a oh, so you're also you're also anti mini wheat milk. Uh, correct. Yeah, because the shards of the mini wheats get into your milk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I apologize for making a reference to CTE that was not uh, intended to be uh, disrespectful to those suffering from that issue. Thank you. I, it's been like two weeks since I brought uh, Allie into this conversation, but she won't even drink the milk at the end of the cereal. Corey won't either. Corey won't either. She doesn't, she doesn't like milk. And that's hard for me to figure because she goes through a lot of dairy, loves cheese. Uh, okay. This is just milk, but hardened. <laughs> I, I don't know. That, I don't know where else I was going to go with that. I was just saying – she won't drink the milk at the bottom. And she also loves ice cream, which I think there's a lot of milk in that. Listen, it's time to move on. Spencer, uh, Corey watched Popstar for the first time. Correct. Two nights ago. And uh, we've kind of been waiting with bated breath to hear if you have to break up with her or not. Mm. No, she liked it. That's, she liked it. She, thought it, she said, I got... That we got seems finished. like a lukewarm endorsement. We got finished. So we got finished. And... She's not crazy about the Lonely Island music. You know, if she was in the car with all of us, she would probably get very annoyed very easily. Um, but I don't well, think so they need the music. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to. Um, she liked it. She, she said, I said, what, what was your first thought on it? She said it was really funny. And a couple days later, uh, she liked the refrigerator scene with Deborah, which is the a classic. What's the origin I of believe, that? I believe Deborah. <laughs> um. She liked the wedding with Ashley Wednesday, Seal and the Wolves. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's a, I'm, we're going to keep it as PG as possible. Yeah. And for some reason, for some reason, the line that she really, really liked was when, when Connor says, that's a third of the way to Mars. And <laughs> what's his name has to say, uh, that's... Uh, you realize that's, that's just the name of a band, not a science, whatever he says. She like, that got her. I don't know what it was about that, but that really, really struck a chord. So uh, she, she liked that. Line. Oh man, that is funny. 
That part is funny. At least that you entire had a, scene. I'm a little concerned that it was just, uh, she liked it. It was pretty lukewarm. It's like Chives was trying to hide the truth. So here's the weirdest part. She quotes, so I got her doing that. Uh, I don't think so. So she thought that was like a Connor line. And so when it happened, she didn't even really realize it was happening. So after the movie, she's like, where was the, uh, I don't think so. And so I had to like go back and like walk her through where it was. And she's like, oh, I, I wasn't a big fan of those parts when they cut uh, to C and Z. Uh, wow. I don't think so. Okay. Wait. I hate Connor for real. For, for real. real. But I mean, you'll, she'll get there. You have to watch it a couple times really before. I mean, I've watched it. I, I can't count how many times. And I still pick up things that I didn't hear or really grasp the first so we're going to move on to we're going to move on to hot rod and then what is it 30 days in hell is that the is that the other one is that what it's called 30 days days in hell that is seven seven days seven days in in hell is advanced level class so (laughs) i think that see we had this conversation a couple weeks ago because we want our our boss uh will crawl had not seen any of these movies that uh basically are foundational uh, texts to me, my our patron saint, uh, Andy Sandberg and the Lonely Island. And we started talking about the order that you should watch it first. And both of you guys said Hot Rod. And I think that it has to be Popstar or I don't think, I don't view Seven Days in Hell this way. Like Hot Rod is so Lonely Island. It's the most advanced version of Lonely Island that there is. Popstar was made to be a little bit more accessible um, to people just understanding mockumentary style, you know, documentaries. I think that that's much easier for people to ease their way into and appreciate it than hot rod would be. I just don't, I don't know that you could start with hot rod. For me, it's like you, if you're going to get in the pool, you get in the pool and hot rod was the one that came out first. And it was, you know, at the time when Saturday Live was making all the movies from the people that are, involved with that show and i think it was more broad uh more more mainstream than pop star pop star because at that point you would if you've seen hot rod then you're waiting for the next movie of theirs to come out but i do uh, uh, agree that if people don't like hot rod it may just be because they don't get that kind of humor but the humor in pop star is totally different oh oh i forgot Corey really liked the uh Connor changing costumes mid-concert scene. I'm not going to really dive into that one either, but she thought that was hilarious. So. Oh, world. Why? <laughs> Why wouldn't you dive into it, Chives? Everybody I mean, knows the tuck, here. There's no spoilers. The tucks, the, the not tucks, but tuck. And then 10 minutes later in the movie, uh, Hunter the Hungry just saying, I did it. And then he just walks off the stage. Like, it was just, me. It was <laughs> me. I don't know. Did I not do it? I don't know. It, but if we're, if we're being real about going all the way back to the beginning, and he wanted to have, like, uh, the time machine experience of Lonely Island, then you'd have to go watch the boo. Yeah, and, again, that, that is too much Lonely Island for a person who is just beginning to consume the medium. Glasses like, on. <laughs> it's too much. It is too much. You have to. You have Glasses to. on. <laughs> the more broad uh, 
of the base of, of who it's aimed at, I think, is where you start. And that's why I'd go Hot Rod. But also, I think Hot Rod is just absolutely hilarious and did from the first time I saw it. And that's just because I'm a weird person. How many, I people, watched, how many people watching this Road Beers episode and making it this far into it, you think have actually watched the boo? Nobody. But I do know that most of those people are wishing for Beanie Wells. Yeah, that's that's at this point, as opposed to us. Um, But uh, you know, that's cool. I can handle it. I can handle it. (laughs) I like to make sure my screen goes green before I switch my image. I think that we'd we'd be remiss, Burnham, if we didn't mention the fact that the first time we tried to show Popstar to Chives, Mm. he bailed in the middle to go talk to Corey and didn't even make it all the way through. I did not make it all the way through. I need to go make a phone call. I, I have since rectified the situation. When, when you're on the road, man, it's a text message world. Okay. Oh no, phone that, this are, was, that was in my phone, house. That was, phone calls I welcomed him. Oh, oh I my gosh, him, even worse. I welcomed him into my house. Into my home to watch my favorite movie, and that's what he did. Hmm. Well. That's not good. Yeah. Okay. But hey, he, he's growing. I mean, he he also, you know, couldn't finish his first flight of beers with us. So, um, he's he's at least he's I ordered learning. at least I ordered it correctly. He's learning. He's growing, and that's what's important. <laughs> at but least really I matters. ordered it correctly. Boy, he is dropping a bomb on you there, Burn. Good one, Chives. Good one. Making hey, this stuff up. this has just arrived from Land Grant. Let's see if I can get the label in there from these weird crumbs. Weird crumbs. So there's three. Variations. This is the Snickerdoodle. My friend James, our friend James uh, from Land Grant, personally delivered uh, my order this morning. The, the Snickerdoodle, there's a blackberry and currant and a boysenberry, very, a limited run. So I haven't tried this. I can't give you a, a, a review yet, um, but I picked up a case of beer from Land Grant this morning to support our friends. Um, and I'm really looking forward to these. They, that's a collaboration with Pretentious. So this will be a, a special Thursday, Thursday, uh, from Thirsty Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Uh, I promise Thursday. I haven't been, I promise Thursday. I haven't been drinking it yet, but I'm really looking Monday, forward to getting into these. Monday, one day, Tuesday, two day, Wednesday, <laughs> when, huh? What day? Thursday, third day. Very good. Thank you. Chimes, that was from a television show called Friends, which aired in the 1990s. I, I know. The character's name was Joey Tribbiani. He was an actor uh, by trade. He appeared in such shows as Days of Our Lives as Dr. Drake Remore. His character was murdered uh, by falling down an elevator shaft. I, I, I know. I've, I, I've seen Friends quite a few times. How? Why? Why? Why did you seek out a show that came out uh, five years before you were born? I mean, I've seen Friends all the way through. I've seen Seinfeld all the way through. I watch Cheers every now and then just to, just to you know, I, I grew up watching MASH with my dad. Uh, you know, it's, it's just old TV is good. And the Andy Griffith show is fantastic television. Wow. Like, uh, will you do me a favor and sing the theme song to Three's Company right now? No. <laughs> what about no. What about Who's the Boss? Uh, no. Yo, Angela. <laughs> But who is the boss? Uh, Burn, what are you drinking down there? Uh, well, this was my trio of beverages from last night. Uh, 
I, I think my favorite was the Potomsky, the small batch uh, mint chocolate stout, which I saved for the very end of the evening. It was good. Uh, the s'more stout from Perrin Brewing Company, uh, I, I didn't taste anything other than your traditional stout, in that, which was a little disappointing because s'more sounds good because I would have liked to get some graham cracker or some marshmallow flavor, and I really didn't get anything but other, a bitter chocolate. Um, and then the uh, North Peak uh, Brewing Company, the cherry summer wheat was actually really good. Um, uh, as usual, my beers are all from Michigan at this point because, well, Toledo's brewing scene isn't great. And I live a mile over the border, as everyone is learning. And so the majority of the brands available at my local, 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 at my local store are from Michigan. Uh, but Potowski continues to be one of my favorites. And that mint chocolate stout is pretty damn good. What was the ABV uh, on that bad boy? Six, three. And you only had one? Well, that was the final of the evening. So it was just, you know. We're watching The Walking Dead, and so we're doing two or three episodes a night, and so it's just at the end of the night once the the uh, Rugrats are out. I don't think they're going to need the Rugrats at that age. Um, well, I'm just, you know, speaking euphemistically. Oh, okay. Barb, I'm going to need to get my hands on that cherry summer wheat. Okay. That looks like okay. my kind of beer. That looks like my kind of beer. I've been, okay. on a, I've been on a little bit of a of a beer, uh, not, not sabbatical, nearly, but not I nearly as much cherry in that as I would have liked. Um, that that uh, cherry summer wheat was like way better on the third can of it as opposed to the first. I don't know if it's just sometimes you need to clear the palate or what. And I seem to really like it better after I had eaten a couple of Pringles, which was <laughs> neither here. What a, what a great tasting note. People that are coming here there. <laughs> <laughs> Neither here nor there, but I figured maybe it was something with the, the added salt, I think, uh, brought out a little bit of the... Is that like at a restaurant when somebody says, this pairs well with a nice Pringle? Yeah, I think it needs a salty <laughs> companion. I guess that's what I'm going with. It needs like a salty compatriot. I've been up to uh, North Peak a couple times in Traverse City. Uh, I hope to make it for a third so that I can make sure that we can pass along this great tip. Like, put it on the menu. I mean, do you it have Pringles for sale? Comes with a side of three Pringles. <laughs> People want a, you know, a nice orange uh, on the rim. No, they're just going to line it. I'd like a, a, a pint glass rimmed with Pringles, please. It didn't have a lot of bitterness to it, so I think I need, that it needed the salt to balance it out. So that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking happened. Because the first one I had, like I said, it was okay. And then the second one in between, when I went to the kitchen, I grabbed a, you know, a stack of Pringles. And, uh, and then I was like, wow, this actually, the flavor kicked up a notch. And then, uh, so, you know, just add in the Pringles. A stack Regular of Pringles. Pringles. Bowl of CT Crunch and a stack of Pringles. Chives, what are you drinking? Uh, I, I, I was a little too quiet when I said I it. I was a little... Off. I was a, I've been a little bit on a beer hiatus. Um, oh my! I still have my peach beers in my fridge, um, just waiting to be drank. Uh, maybe that'll be tonight. Uh, we'll see how the night goes. You but bought those a week ago. That's what I said. I haven't been drinking this in the past week. Well, why that's did you? Go I was to... down. 
Why did you go to the store and then just like keep it for? A I week? drank. No, I drank that night. But like, I've had a couple of each of them. But I still have some of them left. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm. Maybe I'll go get some more today or tomorrow. You're really responsible, Charles. Yeah, let's go. On. I just, I don't, I don't want to be like the guy who sits in the quarantine and drinks all. Sits the time. in the quarantine and comes out twenty pounds heavier. This episode of Road Beers has been brought to you by Candy Crunch. <laughs> Candy Crunch? What? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we should have been drinking for this episode. Thank you, Crunch. So, have we good. talked about have we talked about doing a, an episode in that fashion? I think or we're is that like illegal? Because then we would have had an explanation for how this one uh, <laughs> got so far off the rails. Uh, hey. This week, I'll just say, I'm sorry if you made it to the end. <laughs> we miss Beanie as well. We uh, are definitely going to try better. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll crack open some beers, and, and that will uh, probably won't keep us on topic any better. Um, but at least we'll have an excuse uh, for why we're messing around the way that we are. But, hey, I still enjoyed it. I wish my power hadn't gone out. I wish that uh, Berm uh, liked me more than his phone. Um, no. And I wish, still wish Chives didn't have a cat because I can't ever go to his house uh, ever again. Um, that's just the theme for the show. Uh, this has been Road Beers at Letterman Row. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to do it again next week. Uh, that's Berm. That's Chives. I'm Austin. We'll see you next time.